Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word that has been read. May now your Holy Spirit illuminate this word and apply it to our hearts and lives by your Holy Spirit. Open the lips of this servant of yours that the words which flow forth would be your words for your people on this your night. Bind to our hearts your truth and banish from this place all that is not. Grant us ears to hear and courage to respond to the promptings of your spirit. And may we leave this place transformed more into the image of the Christ we serve and in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I am 55 years old. And I think when I hear this gospel lesson read, my mind goes to probably the very first place I ever heard this passage. And it is probably one of the most familiar places where you have heard this passage as well. It's in the Peanuts Christmas special. You know it, right? Linus. At the end of all of the searching for just the right tree, at that place where it looks as though Charlie Brown has just blown it royally, and he is soaking in his failure, Linus steps on the stage and reminds all of those there what Christmas is all about, reciting this very familiar passage of Scripture from Luke's Gospel. That's probably the first place I can remember hearing this particular text. The next place that I remember this text most is in our own, my own family Christmas tradition. All of us can either personally know what it's like to be eight or nine years old and waiting for the Christmas, for Christmas to arrive and the presents to be unwrapped. All of us can remember being that age and that sense of anticipation that is Christmas morning. When we would wake up on Christmas morning, my siblings and I would gather in the living room around the tree with my parents and the first thing they would do, you know, we're just, and we can't wait to start ripping open packages. My father would sit us all down and he would say, and now we're going to read the Christmas story. And at eight years old, that's just a speed bump on the road to the presents. But the reality is it was, a, it was an intentional moment that my father set aside in our family Christmas tradition to be reminded of what this season is all about. Why do we give gifts to one another? It's because we celebrate the gift that God gave to us all in the person of his son born now almost 2,000 years ago. And it's an opportunity for us to, in the midst of the hustle and bustle of this season, I don't know if you've been to the mall lately or on the freeways lately, this is a harried, frantic, panicked time of the year. 
And I think it's very appropriate that on a night like this, we pause for just a few moments and we hear again these words from Luke's gospel to tell the story of the coming of the Christ. And if we look at this passage more closely, we, we recognize that there are people here for whom the Christmas, what we know as Christmas now, the birth of this Jesus, was an interruption. In the season of interruption, after all, the emperor has just issued a decree that everyone was going to have to be registered. Everyone had to go to their hometowns. Forget your daily life, forget your job, forget your schools, forget all of those things that are pressing right there at home. You're going to have to go back to your hometown because the emperor has thrown this interruption on everyone. So I'm sure Joseph saddles the donkey, gets Mary, his expectant wife, on that beast, and they make their way to Bethlehem only to find that there's no place that can put them up, and she's about to pop. And the night comes when she is to give birth to the one who would be the Savior of the world. Not where Mary had hoped, I'm certain, and not where Joseph had anticipated this night taking place. Interruptions. And then there's the shepherds in the field that we hear the angels proclaiming the good news. They had work to do as well. They had sheep to tend. This was their livelihood. And yes, there was some monotony about it. They had done this day after day, probably year after year. It's something they had done that their fathers before them had done, and they would pass on to their sons. It's just the way that our family, this is what we do. And on to this normal routine night. And this night arrives something very unexpected in the form of those angels proclaiming that there is something very significant that has taken place this night in Bethlehem. And how did they receive that news? It says that they left at once. And they went. They left their livelihood. They left their sheep in the fields. And they went to check out this message that had come in the most unexpected way. Angels saying, don't be afraid. The one who is born this night will bring peace. Peace. That's probably a word not too far from any of our minds when we pray, especially in days like ours. Anyone here prayed for peace lately? Do you pick up the newspaper or turn on the television news and, and just wish and long that somehow in the, in the midst of all of this chaos that there would be 
something as magical as the angels appearing to the shepherds and saying to all of us who are troubled in this day and age, there is one who has come to bring peace. Oh, how our world longs for that message of peace. And I've wondered why it is that the shepherds got up from where they were and made their way to Bethlehem, made their way to see this thing that the angels had said had come to pass. And I think at the heart of what caused the shepherds to leave their flocks and to go to Bethlehem were the very familiar words of the prophet that we heard read just a few moments ago from Isaiah. Look with me again, if you will, at that passage. Pull out your bulletins and look at this ninth chapter of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is speaking to a people who are very troubled. They themselves are not so unlike us when we think about a chaotic world and we pray for peace. They were also looking and praying for peace. They were a very... They were living in a very troubled world. If you want to understand just how troubled this world was, read one chapter before. There are conveniently pew Bibles in front of you, the little black book. And if you're so inclined before you leave tonight, find Isaiah chapter 8 and just read through a little of what the world in Isaiah's day is like. What does Isaiah say about the world to whom he is prophesying? And he says there is one who is going to come, who is really going to answer all of the, the darkness that was the world of his time. Into this world, one is going to be born, a child is born, a son is given, authority will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We could spend quite a while just looking at those names and what it is about each of those descriptive names for the one who was to come that was so timely for the people of Isaiah's day as for us today. Wonderful Counselor. Do you ever find yourself scratching your head and realizing that there is much wrong in this world but not having a clue where to start to unravel any of it? Isaiah said that the one who would come would be a wonderful counselor. Oh, how we need a wonderful godly counselor today. Mighty God, one who whose authority can be unquestioned, one who can rise above all of those littler gods who claim power in different parts of the world. How we need a God who is mighty on the scene today. Everlasting Father. That's probably the phrase I love the most of these descriptors of the one who Isaiah prophesied would come. Everlasting Father. 
I know that we all have maybe different ideas about what it means to be a father. We all have relationship maybe with our own father that differs in one way or another. But, but when we conjure up the image of the perfect father, it's someone in whom you can feel confident and with whom you can feel secure. Maybe the, the everlasting father is one who embodies all of these things, the the counselor and the, and the authority, the confident authority. I don't know what it was like in your house growing up, but my father was the final judge. You needed an answer? The final authority was my dad. Everlasting father. One who is going to caringly watch over the human family. That's who Isaiah said the one who was to come would be and prince of peace. Not a warrior, but the prince of peace. How our world today needs peace. For the shepherds who heard the words of the angels on this night, in their minds they had been taught and had heard read over and over again the words of the prophet Isaiah and in them there on this night was a spark that said maybe just maybe this message we're receiving from the angels tonight is a message that is pointing us to the one of whom the prophets have foretold one who will finally bring us peace In the busyness of our lives. I mean, it's one thing to think about the global need for peace. But for most of us, there's a much closer need for peace. It's in our own homes. And it's in our own hearts. Paul, the apostle, in some of his writings, especially to the church at Rome, talks about an inner war that takes place struggling with what I, I know I should do or I want to do and then not being able to do those things. How many of us are at war within ourselves? Maybe even over Christmas. Did I forget someone? Did I get the right gift? Am I going to be able to say the right things at the right time to the right people who are going to be gathering in my home for a Christmas dinner? All of the anxiety that can accompany times like this. Yes, it's appropriate that on a night like this we pause to hear again the words that Luke has sent down through the ages recounting the story of the coming, the birth of the Messiah, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. For all those who heard this message from the angels, not just the shepherds, but Mary and Joseph before the shepherds, they had heard message from the angels as well. Their life was forever changed.
They didn't go about their lives in the same routine kind of way they did before having received the message. And tonight we get to decide once more, what will we do with the message that we've, been heard, we've heard? What will we do with the renewed assurance that the one who was born so long ago in Bethlehem is indeed the Prince of Peace? Is it something we do on a night like this? as the speed bump to the presence? Or is it something that reminds us that there is more in this world for which we are called to live? May the Christ whose birth we celebrate tonight be reborn in each of our hearts. And may the life we live from this point forward be a life that is forever changed because of the birth of that Christ anew within us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.